0: All right, hey, good morning, Mercy family. Hey, uh, listen, I'm excited about um, jumping into the passage that we have for this morning, but before I do, I wanna give you a little bit of a preview of where we're gonna be headed into summer. In two weeks, we're starting our summer sermon series that we're calling 10 Ways to Be Perfect. 10 ways to be perfect. What we're gonna do is we're gonna be in Exodus 20 all summer looking at the 10 Commandments. The 10 Commandments, um, they make such a great bridge into the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's why, because the 10 Commandments lay out How to live a perfect life, God calling us to live this perfect life. And it is what God is a great summary of all of God's laws for human flourishing how to have a good family, how to have work life balance, how to fight greed and jealousy, how to be content yet still be ambitious, how to have a good marriage. Um, It's an incredible summary of God's design for humanity. And not only that, of course, they're God's laws. God calls us to keep them. Jesus doubles down, even raises the stakes on those. We'll see in that series. But the problem is none of us can keep all of them, right? In fact, we often see life unravel where we fall short of them. And so what each commandment ultimately does is it shows us our need for Jesus, our need for a rescuer, right? So the 10 commandments point us to a Jesus who lived the perfect life, and then died on our behalf. And that's what makes this series, what we're hoping makes this series so powerful is that when we fall short of God's design, we can encounter the grace of God for us and then in light of that grace, live a redeemed life trying to recover that original blueprint. It's gonna be a fun um, series. I think it's gonna be a powerful series for us. Um, We are going to see, I think, through the 10 commandments, just see them as a pinnacle of grace. Uh, They are some of the most widely known yet Widely misunderstood, um, that whole section, that chapter is probably the most widely known, widely misunderstood passage of scripture, maybe in all the Bible, right, in our culture. So I hope y'all um, talk this series up and be praying also for your, uh, for your pastors, for our preaching team as we work through uh, the course of this summer, all right? Big series for us. Now, today we are finishing up our series called Following Jesus. And we're gonna be looking at the mission of God the mission of God. We've taken this series to look at um, what what does it mean to be a Christian, right? We started Easter Sunday. What does it mean to be a Christian? And really in doing so, we've looked at the core values that our whole church is running on. Right, We said our whole lives are built on the gospel and what Christ does for us. He came for us when we didn't deserve it. He loved us and our whole lives then are a response to that. We've been using that tool, the gospel wheel to kind of walk us through each one. We're saying the gospel's at the hub of the wheel that is your life. And then our whole life, all the spokes of our life are just a response to what God has done for us. Right? The gospel's not just how you, the big thing here is that the gospel's not just how you begin in the Christian faith. It's how you grow, right? The way we've said is the gospel is not just a front door to the Christian house, the gospel is the house. And then we said growth happens as we devote ourselves to God, right? Nothing is more impactful, nothing more impactful for a follower of Jesus than just reading God's word. Last week we looked at community, we so said the gospel creates a, a new community, it gathers us together. Basically, uh, we said if you are gonna have God as your father, you get the church as your family. Right? And that's the, we kind of talked through what that means for the rhythms of our, of our life. Uh, this weekend, we're talking about the mission of God. The gospel saves us, the gospel gathers us into a new community. And this weekend, we're talking about how the gospel sends us out. And here's the big idea that I want us to walk away with today, okay? Here's, here it is the gospel at the center of our lives creates a desire in us to accomplish the mission. The gospel creates, when that gospel is down at the center of who we are, it creates in us a desire. It compels us to accomplish the mission that God has called us to. We're going to be in Romans chapter 10. So if you got your Bible, go ahead, um, hop over there to Romans chapter 10. We're going to cover the first 17 verses of Romans 10. So we got our work cut out for us, but y'all, we believe this down to our core. The gospel creates a desire in us to accomplish the mission. And we believe every follower of Jesus, listen, every follower of Jesus, the way we say it, every member is a missionary, all right? Every pastor at our church is a missions pastor, everybody. Because when the gospel saves us, it creates a desire to accomplish the mission. Again, that goes back to the gospel wheel we've shown you every single week, all of it. We desire to follow Christ We we desire to devote our lives to him. We desire to devote our lives to one another. We desire to go out and share the gospel with the world because he has proven better than anything else to us. We see what he's done for us. And that's so big when we talk about uh, mission this this weekend. Now, if you're a Christian with us today, there's a couple of reasons I see um, regularly that causes Christians to just be, flat out bored by the mission of God, or maybe lazy in their approach to it, in their posture towards it. Uh, Two reasons that I see, either you're not really aware of the mission of God, or you're approaching the mission for some of the wrong reasons. And we're going to tackle both of them today. The first, listen, maybe you're just not aware that there is a grand overarching mission that God has given all of his believers that our chief purpose in life is to glorify God with our lives by taking the gospel to the very ends of the earth. That's the big mission. That's the big purpose of our lives. Jesus calls each one of us to this mission and the pursuit that we're to build our lives around is this. But maybe you're just not aware of it. And if you're not aware of it, here's what happens. That's how you know. You'll settle for lesser pursuits, smaller things. And you'll elevate smaller pursuits to that top spot. The next job, the next house, the next romance, whatever that is, that, that'll start to take that top pursuit. It'll become the thing that drives your life. But listen, all of those pursuits are, are too small. They're too small for what we were created for, and they won't satisfy our lives. So we'll go from one to the other, trying to sa- find that like satisfying mission, that satisfying purpose that we can give our lives to. But that search is only satisfied when we find it, when we center our lives on the mission of God. And maybe today you need to see that. Listen though, the other reason Christians get bored or are tired of the mission of God is because they're in it for the wrong reasons, right? Even though you believe that you're saved by the gospel, the gospel saves you, you start to think you got to earn your keep. And the mission, sharing your faith with others, it kind of becomes a a checklist. But listen, we do this, y'all. It's so easy to drift there. Even though we know we're saved by faith, we start engaging the mission out of fear or guilt. Fear that God won't approve of us or, or guilt that we could be doing more. And that's just not at all what God wants for us. He created us to love him out of his love for us, to love other believers out of his love for us, and to love the world out of his love for us. So I want to show you a gospel perspective on the mission today, on the mission that should mark everyday life, that in every arena God has you in, he is sending you into it as an agent of hope into a world that desperately needs that hope. And as you get groceries, as you go to your job, as you go to class, as you move in on campus, what, whatever it is, God is sending you there and you, he is sending you with, you are carrying this message of hope and you're carrying it and you can carry it with joy. But too often we miss this, either because we just don't know about it or because we're trying to engage that mission for all the wrong reasons. Listen, I can point out the difference in my own life. Right? For me, it's that second one, engaging it for the wrong reasons. Y'all, I grew up in church. Uh, we used to do this thing called, uh, I don't know, maybe this connect with some of y'all, if you grew up in church too. We used to do this thing called High Attendance Sunday. All right? High Attendance Sunday. It's like, everybody, we're going to make sure you invite your friend for this one random weekend we marked on the calendar, and we're calling it High Attendance Sunday. And by the way, nothing wrong with inviting people to church, okay? So that's fine. Um, but the thing was, you the purpose of inviting the friend well, so that we could have high attendance. Uh, that, that was the great grand end goal. And so I'd go to my friends because I felt guilty because the church was telling me, I got to invite my friends for High Attendance Sunday. And I was never given any like um, motivation beyond that. And so I kind of would go to my friends and say, listen, man, I'm really, I'm really sorry. You kind of see it in my eyes and my voice kind of put my head down like, hey, man, I got to invite you to church. Will you come to church with me so that we can have people in there so that we can have our high attendance? It's High Attendance Sunday and i was i was apologizing for inviting him to church <laughs> now contrast that high school Spence with College spent after, uh, um, after I had sat with some guys who just were compelled by the gospel and were overwhelmed by it and uh, walked me along in that. In college, I learned the gospel is the hub of my life. And y'all, I went willingly, excited, all the way across the world over to China, readily went out on campus meeting total strangers who spoke broken English. I spoke no Chinese. And I got to share with them, and I had joy. The difference between high school spends and college spends is crazy. I had joy going all the way across the world to share with total strangers. And the difference was my heart was in it because I was motivated by the love of God for me. I wasn't just inviting people to church because it was something I was supposed to do. And then I brought that back with me and it changed the way I approached every friendship that I had on campus. It became not... I didn't go and invite people to church. I didn't go and talk with people about my faith because it's something I supposed to do. It's because I was overwhelmed by the love of God for me. It was something I felt like I had to do and that I got to do with joy. Listen, supposed to religion will create mountains of guilt. You just can't survive on it. That's why Christians leave their faith so often after high school. They just, they're tired of supposed to. High school students, listen, you need a more compelling reason um, for your faith than supposed to, all right? And you just need a more compelling faith than supposed to. Christianity always starts with what God has done for you. It calls you to wonder and marvel at God himself and then just respond with your life. That's this whole series. And today we're talking about the big mission of your life and it's just gotta be bigger than supposed to. Romans 10 The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome and he's talking to them about the mission. Three things you're gonna see today. First, you're gonna see where the desire comes from, the desire for the mission. The second, you're gonna see the gospel message, front and center. I mean, I I probably quote Romans 10, talking about the gospel maybe more than any other, but then you're gonna see the mission. All right, so Romans 10, verse one, here we go. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire... And prayer to God concerning them is for their salvation. The them are his fellow Jews. Paul grew up Jewish, and while he now finds his first family to be the church, he still has this desire, this deep affection for his people, his culture. And his desire is for their salvation. In fact, chapter 9, he's going to say he would do anything. If you go back, you read the first part of chapter 9. He's going to do anything. God, I would do anything to see them come to Christ. He says he has great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart for these people. That's chapter nine. If it were possible to trade places with them so that they could know Christ, he'd do it. This is the kind of missional desire the gospel produces in us. When I come to understand it, I experience a love that I've just never experienced before. A compassion from God that just makes me, creates in me a compassion for others that I've never had before. And it opens my eyes to the one thing that matters. You see how those two misunderstandings I brought up at the start of this get corrected just by the gospel? When I dwell on what Christ has done for me and what was at stake, that eternity hung in the balance, that he saved me from eternity apart from him, the mission starts to take on a greater reality. I start to become more aware of it. It starts to become more urgent. And I start to see what's at stake, and I start to want to to engage it for the right reason, for the glory of God to be made known through me, and so that others, others might have eternity with Christ as well. I can no longer claim ignorance to what's at stake. And when I receive this as an act of love, I develop an increasing desire for those I know um to love God as I love him, to experience God's love as I have experienced. Um Famous um, preacher from a couple of centuries ago, Charles Spurgeon, said it this way. He said, He who really has this high estimate of Jesus will think much of him. And as the thoughts are sure to run over at the mouth, he will therefore talk much of him. Do we do this? If Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You'll be whispering it into your child's ear. You'll be telling it to your husband. You'll be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. Is he your joy? Is he your joy? Because if he's your joy, you'll talk about him and you'll have anguish in your soul over those that don't know him. So let me reframe a question that we've been asking a lot around here. We've been asking the question a lot, who's your one? Who's one person who's far from God, but is close to you? Let me ask it to you this way. Has the reality that they don't know God brought anguish to your soul yet? Have you, listen, real practical, have you wept for that person's salvation? One of my best friends in college, I'll never forget when I heard this from Romans 10. I heard this message of how Paul was in anguish over how they didn't know Christ. And he gets to Romans 10 and he starts talking about his motivation for why he wants to go to the ends of the earth. And I was driving back home or driving back to school from a weekend away. And man, I was just crying in my car. Going, man, what if he spends eternity apart from Christ? Man, he doesn't know the love that I know, the security that I have. If it does not trouble you that someone you love doesn't know Christ, you may not know Christ. And I, that sounds a little bit aggressive and I get it. But y'all, is he your joy? Because every last one of us, we are either, we're either a missionary or an imposter. The gospel creates a desire in us to accomplish the mission. That is the big idea today. That is the first point for us today. The gospel creates in us Which which makes, by the way, makes this a really good news sermon, just even in the start of it, because if that's not there, you don't have to conjure it. You don't have to conjure it up. You just got to go back and dwell again, meditate again on, read over the great news, the great hope of Christ for you. And in fact, that's where Paul starts to go next. First, he says, verse two, I can testify about them. These are these Jews that he knows that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. He's saying, listen, they have zeal. Nobody does religion like my people, but they are trying to obey God's laws too, for this reason, to prove their worth before God. And that's why he's saying they've missed it. Christ, he says, is the end of the law. Righteousness, that that word was in there like three or four times in that verse. Righteousness is the Bible's way of saying approved of by God. And he's saying they are zealous and trying to do good works, but they're completely missing it. So let me sum it up really clearly what he's saying. And it's still true for us. You cannot do enough good to earn good standing with God. No matter how sincere your intentions, if you are placing your hope in anything other than Christ, you will never find God. You will never be in good standing with God. It'd be like, um, I was talking recording last night about this. It'd be like inviting someone, uh, a group of friends, okay? You're gonna invite a group of friends over um, for dinner and you're gonna cook for all your friends because you watched a YouTube video and now you are a baking expert. All right, so that's what you're going to do. And you put in all the ingredients for this awesome baked salmon dish or or something like that. And you put it in there well ahead of time. Everybody comes over, y'all are mingling, things are going great, a big group of people. And it's about seven o'clock and and you go and you open the oven and that thing is still just as cold and as raw as when you set it in there a couple hours ago. Why? Because you never turned on the oven. Now, listen, listen. You really, sincerely wanted to cook dinner for everybody. You put in a lot of effort, and yet what you got? You got some raw fish, and you might be able to spend that as sushi or something like that. I don't know, but I doubt it, right? You put in all this effort, but listen, sincerity does not cook good food. Heat cooks good food, Sincerity without heat means you going out <laughs> for dinner tonight, right? Or you're ordering pizza or something. It's the same with God. Sincere misplaced effort does not lead you to salvation. Only faith in Christ's work on the cross and in his resurrection will lead to salvation. Now, over the next few verses, Paul's saying that. He's saying, here's the thing. Here's the great news. That gospel... It's not far away. You don't have to go on a deep, long quest to find God. Look, verse five, Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. The one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven? That is to bring Christ down or who will go into the abyss, down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. He's quoting Moses, who the Jews revere, who said the law wasn't far hidden from the Israelites. This is what Moses says. He says, look, guys, the law's not far away. It's close. And in the same way, what Paul's saying is that the gospel's not far away. It's not hidden from you now. It's free and accessible. You don't have to go to great lengths to find God. Christ has come down from heaven and then he came up from the grave. Don't make it harder than it is. The gospel is not complex. Now it's challenging because it's gonna require us to lay down everything in order to receive it, but it's not complex and it's not far. On the contrary, verse eight, on the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. It's near you and you're hearing it. And as you hear it, it's making your heart light up. It's stirring something in your soul. And here it is. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Told you the first thing we're gonna look at was desire. And the second thing we're gonna look at is, is the gospel message itself. And it's right here. You see what he says, Jesus is Lord. The gospel says, Jesus is Lord. He died for our sins and God raised him from the dead. It's beautifully simple. It starts with the confession, Jesus is Lord, that he is God and therefore we submit to him. We are not God. You are not God. You and I would make terrible gods anyways. They say, no, we submit to him, he's the one with the power to save and he died on the cross for your sin and mind. And you believe in the gospel, we believe is that he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. God brought him out. And so the curse of sin was broken. That's how we're saved. And you don't work for it. You believe it. And Paul says to the church in Rome, and it's been said throughout church history and it's being said here today, that is good news. It is good news that you don't have to work for it. All we have to do is receive it. And by the way, I need to, need to say, <laughs> I need to say right here our deepest motivation, our deepest motivation for mission is for those of us who have received that great love. We just marvel what happens. is what happens to Christians. The more that they grow in the gospel, the more amazed they are at the glory of God. And the more they turn their lives, First Corinthians 10, 31, that all of their lives is to glorify him. And our deepest motivation for mission is to bring glory to God through our lives because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That is the anthem we will be singing in heaven together. Jesus is Lord. And the great news, the great news is that you don't have to go high, go far off on this long quest to find him he has made himself so accessible that a child can receive him. He's about to send this church out to tell the Jews that he's been talking about. He's gonna send this church, this bunch of Christians out to tell them. And so he says, one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness. See, not the, the righteousness is not something that you earn. It's through belief. And one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation because confession is an expression of what's happening in the heart. For the scripture says, everyone, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. Listen, verse 13 for everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Y'all, there is so much in these verses that we don't get to cover today that it's just one of those moments where as a, as a preacher, it, it, oh, it just hurts. I want to have like one service that lasts five hours and we can really get through a lot of this, but we're not. But I want you to see verse 13. Everyone, no one has too bad, too dark of a past. No one is beyond the offer of salvation. I'll never forget Um a few years ago, sharing with a young man who had been abused by an older man um, in his life when he was, he was younger, early teens, um, late elementary age into early teens, the shame on him was so heavy that he thought there's no way. This was, this was the thing for him. He thought there's no way this is for me. The trauma of his youth had conditioned him to think if anyone fully knew him, he would be disqualified from their love. And this is what broke through the wall and began his path to healing. It was this word, everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It was this, that word. No matter your past, no matter your culture, Paul says, Jew and Greek, all cultures come to God the same singular way through Jesus. Everyone on planet earth can call on the name of the Lord and find salvation. Y'all, currently a quarter of the people on the planet live in what, the, um, the Joshua Project, which is a great site, joshuaproject.net, a great site to explain um, people groups around the world and their access to the gospel. Uh, they say a fourth of the people on planet earth currently live in what's called a frontier people group, which means it's less than 0.1% Christian. It means there's no real chance of hearing about Jesus from one of their own, but still they are a part of the everyone. They too. If they will call on Jesus, can be saved. That should compel us. That should move us. And we'll talk about that more in just a minute. But y'all, that's the gospel. It's so amazingly simple. He says, okay. Paul says, okay. If it's so simple, and if it's so urgent, we got to get it out there. And that transitions us to the last part of our passage, which is on the mission. And look what he says. How then? How then? How then? can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? And this again is the verse I want you to maybe sit down on and, and remember, faith comes from what? Is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Paul turns, he's turning to application, right? He's saying, if you understand the gospel, it's gonna create a desire in you for others to know Christ. How could such love not do that? And then the way he gets to their participation in the mission of God is through a series of four questions. I just love that Paul uses logic to compel the church towards the mission of God, that's his tool of choice. Now, the questions all assume a negative answer, right? How can they call in someone on someone they have not believed? Remember, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call in, on someone who they haven't believed? They can't, right? How can they believe if they haven't heard? They can't. How can they hear without a preacher? They can't. How can they preach unless they are sent? Let's pause on that one. You could technically preach without being sent, right? What does that mean to be sent? But Paul says, no, no, no. There is a commissioning that every believer needs to recognize that they have from the Lord before they go out. The Lord Christ is sending us all out. And he's sending us in that commissioning that we see in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. He's sending us with his Holy Spirit and to preach apart from that commission to preach apart from the awareness that it is God sending us, to preach apart from the power of God, recognizing that it is Christ who does the work of salvation and not us. To preach apart from that is to preach in vain. It's really not to preach at all, but with that power, man, God can do wonders. And then Paul quotes Isaiah. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The word gospel, the word gospel means news. It was originally used to describe uh, the message that a runner would bring in from the battlefield, from the front lines of the battlefield on behalf of the general, right? When the army won the battle, they would send a runner to go tell the gospel, the good news. What an an awesome job, right? Everybody celebrated at that guy's announcement. And Paul's saying, we're that guy. We carry the greatest news of victory ever. And faith in that message, belief in that message, can only come through hearing it. Not everyone will believe it, but it's not up to us to make them believe it. That's their business. Our king has given us, our general has given us this message right here and sent us now to Charlotte and around the world with it. So we got to tell it. And y'all, God is drawing you into his mission. And it is an awesome mission. It is one, the only one worthy of giving your whole life to. And as you give your whole life to it, it will actually satisfy you. I want to show you a big collective implication this has for Mercy Church. Kind of zoom out for a second, just to Mercy Church, but then show you how you, you play a part of that. We believe at Mercy that the mission is the grand purpose that God has created every single person for. So we're laser focused as a church on getting this message, this message to as many people as possible. As a church, that's why we're so thankful to be a part of a network of churches that we call the Summit Network. Uh, this is, right now, this network is about 40 churches that have been planted over the past eight years. Mercy Church is actually one of those churches. And our network vision is to plant a thousand churches in our generation, in our lifetime, all across the world. And that is, you recognize that, a thousand churches in our lifetime, that's a movement goal. Like by the time we get there, things will be moving, Lord willing, so much so that it'll be tough to even count. It's something far too big for any one person, any one church. Now, here's how Mercy has participated in that so far. Um, In our first year, we helped to plant a church called Reach L.A., Um, that is out um, down in Orange County. Uh, And we we sent D.A. Horton, Pastor D.A. Horton. We were a part of a group of churches in that network that helped them go and plant there. And we sent Caleb and Melissa Bromley, two members of our church who said, the mission is worth it. We're leaving Mercy Church and we're gonna go. And Mercy Church is gonna send them out to go live all the way across the country for the sake of the gospel in that community that desperately needs it. We planted Crossroads. We helped to, uh, to plant Crossroads Community Church up in Brooklyn, New York. Image Church in Atlanta with Pastor Mike McKee. Um, Park Slope Community Church with Pastor Logan Daglin. We got a couple of members who are getting ready to leave next month, leaving Mercy Church again, being compelled by this mission they wanna give their lives to. We're gonna be commissioning them next month to go up and be a part of that work there. I think of Catherine Mitchell that we sent out to Kenya with Freedom Global. Man, this is what God has called us to. And we, we use these networks or part of these networks so that we can say, let's go together. And what I wanna know is how many churches is Mercy gonna commit to planting? I'd love to be able to, to tell our network, man, you know that 1,000, we'll take about 50 of them and that'll be us over our lifetime. But that's only gonna happen when every member sees themselves as a missionary. Because then listen, as we continue to plant churches, you'll, start eval- you'll, you'll kind of start to evaluate your, your life as whether or not you should be a part of, of going to do that. And we're gonna keep, listen, we're gonna to continue to do that. We're gonna to continue to challenge you to be a part of it. Now, the way we say it is, listen, here, here's, the way, here's how you get there to where you would even consider something like that. Because right now you're sitting in your seat going, man, that'd be crazy. Look, here's what we say. It Put your yes on the table and let God put it somewhere on the map. You put your yes on the table. Yes, God, my life is yours. And then let the Lord put it somewhere on the map. In other words, we aren't saying, you know, you got to stop being a banker. You got to stop being a teacher. You got to stop being an electrician. We're not saying any of that. We're saying carry your vocation with you to a strategic place in the world that needs to hear the gospel. Do what you do to the glory of God, but do, or so, do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Maybe that's stateside. Maybe that's overseas. Maybe that's overseas. Whether you're in college or you have a young family and feel like you're settled down, maybe you're an empty nester now, the mission of God is what you're created for. And don't waste your life by missing out on this. So we're going to keep putting opportunities in front of you. Uh, What what, what we always do is with those long-term opportunities, we always put beside them first short-term opportunities. Um, Short-term trips that give you a chance to be exposed to what God is doing around the world. You should go to our our website, uh, mercycharlotte.com. I think upcoming trips, you can find them pretty easily there and see where we're going, even the second half of this year, and join in on one of those trips. Rodney Stark, uh, in his book, The Rise of Christianity, observes the Apostle Paul's strategy. And he says, hey, he summarized it like his basic mission strategy is this, choose the biggest, most influential cities in the known world and plant churches there. And then they will go into their regions and plant more churches there. That's what he did. And we're trying to continue that legacy today. And I believe, I believe with everything I have, y'all, that mercy can be and should be a powerful sending church for the next 50 years. And the way we get there, is all of us, every member saying, okay, God, here I am, open-handed, ready to go. Send me, send me, Lord. So let's go see what God's doing around the world together. I mean, y'all, how else are they going to hear? They're not. I'm I'm gonna say it this way. The greatest threat, fulfilling the call of God, The greatest threat to you fulfilling the call of God on your life is thinking that when he said, go make disciples, he was talking to somebody else. He wasn't talking to anybody else. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's giving you the Holy Spirit. He's giving you the gospel. And he said, he hadn't even really, he said, go. But here's the cool thing. (laughs) You're going with him. It's come along with Jesus on this great mission that you're created for. Watch him change others' lives and change your life through that. Everything we do as a church is to that end. Church plants, intentionally engaging in places where Jesus isn't known in the United States and around the world. That's why we take the short-term trips. And listen, it's to expose you to what God's doing around the world. Maybe what keeps you from going is fear. I've thought about this. Um, You know, we live in a pretty comfortable setting um, here in the United States. So maybe what keeps you from going, even on a short-term trip in the United States or maybe to one overseas is is fear. Like, uh, what's gonna happen to me if I go? But the Apostle Paul's question, he kind of flipped that. And he's he's basically saying in this passage, what happens to them if I stay? And maybe that's the way you need to start thinking through it. Join in on God's mission. Uh, But it's not just church planting um, overseas or stateside. It's everything we do. Everything we do as a church is to this end. I think about Kids Week coming up in just a month. That's just right here in our community. Why are we doing it? It's so easy to invite others into it. Build a friendship with a family and use Kids Week as an easy on-ramp to build a relationship and then out of that, be able to share the gospel with them. We'll be sharing the gospel every single day as a part of that. That's why we do weekend services. We try to create an atmosphere here that is accessible to people who aren't Christians. And then we send you out at the end of our services together. Right? It's kind of like a rally. We, we rally together. We try to do so in a way that's accessible, but then we end our services with Mercy Church. You are sent because you are sent. Community group. Listen, the reason we do community group, a lot of people feel more comfortable in your home than in a church service. So we gather in homes where non-Christians can come belong before they believe. you I got one life and so do you. I'm not about to waste it just playing the church game. And I love that Mercy Church is so bought into this so far. So, how about this? We'll finish this. Let me land it in a real practical step uh, for right here at home how you can engage the mission of God. Is He stirring it in you, this desire to accomplish the mission that comes out of what you've seen in Christ, a clarity on what the gospel message is, a recognition that you are called to be a part of it? Let me bring it all home uh, to maybe how you can get started, all right? We got our people, our one, the one that we believe needs to, to hear this good news. We get to tell them um, over on our, well, I'm gonna introduce you to a tool within these last couple of minutes that is available in more, much more detail over on thegospelwheel.com, all right? The tool is called FISH, all right? It comes out of Christ's command where he says, I'm going to make you into fishers of men, okay? And the, it's just an acronym. And FISH, the F stands for friendship. Jesus was friends with sinners, right? There's friends with people who needed him. And the first question you gotta assess is, Are you only friends with Christians? Yeah, that's why we try to keep programming um, kind of to a minimum here at Mercy. It's not because (laughs) there are plenty of things we could do. But we want you to have time to build friendships with people that need to know Christ. And if I say, who's your one? And you reply, I don't know. Everybody I know knows Jesus. It's time to step out and build some new friendships. Friendships. Y'all, I am the last person to judge, by the way, on this. This is really hard for me. Everybody I work with is a Christian. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) And listen, that means I gotta be much more intentional in my neighborhood and in the other spaces that my family operates in. And by the way, let me say this. I don't befriend people as a making them into a project, okay? My hope is is that they will come to know Christ. My intent though, my job is to be their friend. And of course, along the way, I'm gonna talk about Jesus. Now that actually brings me to the I and fish, initiate spiritual conversations. My close friends know that I'm a Christian, that's important to me. So anyone as I'm befriending them, that right now for me, the natural spot is my neighborhood, just getting to know folks. We haven't lived there very long, getting to know folks. And so of course, this is important to me. So I'm gonna talk about it. Right? Sometimes people feel weird, like it it might be weird to talk about my faith. Listen, it should feel a little bit weird not to talk about it, if it really does mean that much to you. Right? Here's my story. You know, here's what's happened to me. What's your church background like? What do you believe about God? You never know what you'll get with that simple little conversation. Okay? But that's just, that's a conversation that friends have. They talk about the stuff that matters to them. The S there is share the gospel. Plenty of ways to do this. Again, there's some, some kind of, maybe some instructional stuff on our website if you've never had that conversation before. But of course, Romans 10, 9 is all you really need. Tell them the good news. The runner didn't come back from the battle lines and just have small talk forever. He shared the good news of the victory. And again, tools on our website for that. And the last, the H, help them make a decision. I think this one's often overlooked. We, we share the good news and we encourage people to receive it, right? We, we never coerce, we never manipulate, right? But just show them that just as any gift must be received, so the gift of salvation needs to be received and help them along in that. Y'all, the gospel saves, the gospel gathers us into a new community and the gospel sends us out. It creates in us a desire to be a part of the one mission that we were really created for. And you and I, listen, you have been placed by God in a spot where no other Christian has. And it is for the sake of his glory to make his glory known in your lifetime. So all you gotta ask him is what's my next step? What's my next step? Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for allowing me to be a part of Mercy Church, a church that is, that's focusing the eyes of its heart on making your making your great name known in our community and in our world. Thank you for the joy that is in these people. God, I praise you. I praise you for your kindness on us these past three years. God, I pray that what you have done is just a a taste of what you have yet to do in and through us. God, help us to be, um, make us bold and courageous, not for our glory, not to us, for your glory. Give us courage to take a step. Whatever that step is, give us courage to take that step this week to make the gospel known. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would give them that. For those that, that are in here that don't know you, I pray God that today will be a day where they would see behind the curtain of what the church, what's driving the church. And it's just the hope that we have in Christ and wanting others to know it. I pray they would find that hope. And I pray God that you would give us give us joy as we go and declare that hope to a world that desperately needs it. We worship you father in Christ's name, amen.